for the first six months, I cried every night. I cried every night saying, what did I do? And, and that's not because they were twins. It's because it's a, it's a baby. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Welcome to Raising Greatness, where we ask the questions every parent wants to know. I'm Ryan Adams, and in today's episode, we have Joseph Tito from The Dad Diaries, a daring jet setter who decided to pursue surrogacy and become a dad of two twin girls, Mia and Stella. Join us as we learn about surrogacy's emotional journey, whether it creates designer babies, how much it costs, what dating is like for a single dad of twins, and so much more. Today, we've got Joseph Tito from uh, The Dad Diaries. And uh, Joseph, you've had quite the journey um, to surrogacy and being, I guess, a single dad. And now now you and your partner are raising your kids together. And there's just a lot to talk about. So um, maybe let's just, before we get into the surrogacy, maybe just tell us a little bit about your life before being a father and what that looked like. Ah, well, before being a father, I was a jet setter. I lived in the Middle East. I was... Um, executive producer and director of TV. So I was all over the world. I was traveling all the time and, you know, making great money and kind of that's what led me. I, I mean, I've always wanted to be a dad, but once I had everything, I was, you know, I was sitting in my hotel room in Dubai and watching the sunrise. And I'm like, there has to be more to life than this. Like I was just very unfulfilled and, um, and yeah, so then that's when I kind of said, okay, you know, I want to have kids. I've always wanted to have kids and, uh, I didn't know how at the time. And, um, but then that's kind of what started it and started my journey. Interesting. So then how did you decide then on the different, I mean, there's a few different channels that would have been available uh, to you and you were, you were single at this time. So then you decided, you know what, you're going to, you're going to take the leap yourself. And no matter what, you're going to, you're prepared to uh, raise a child by yourself. Like that must've been a kind of a tough decision and it took a lot of the courage on your side. I had a partner at the time and um, he knew that, you know, I wanted to have kids and he just didn't know when we were together for four years at the time. And so then when I, I talked to him about it, he was kind of like, yeah, okay. Because again, for a gay man, it's not really easy to have a child. It's not like, you know, your wife wakes up and one day and says, Oh, I'm pregnant. And, uh, <laughs> so there's, you know, so he was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's cool. Uh, and so then I started just looking into everything and researching everything. And I was looking at adoption. And I mean, I was living in the Middle East at the time. So I was looking into like adopting, you know, from Syria. And there's, I mean, there were so many children that there are so many children that need uh, a loving family. But quickly, I realized in the Middle East, it's close to impossible, especially as a man, Um to adopt. Uh, and also in the Middle East, it's very tribal. So they would have to keep their last name, their family names. So it would be just be a lot harder to, you know, travel or to do anything really. Um, and then just in general, as a sing, because I wasn't married, so I was considered a single male. Um, it's very difficult to adopt. Very, very, very difficult. Uh, the governments all over the world make it extremely difficult. They make it extremely difficult for a husband and wife to adopt. Sure. Uh, so, so then, 
then I started looking into surrogacy and trying to understand what that meant. Um, and again, research, research, <laughs> research, research. And I, I found this, I, I was, there was this one company uh, in surrogacy agency in India. And so since I was in the Middle East, I was like, oh, well, India, you know, it's a three hour plane ride. Uh, but then they had just, when I decided to do it, they had passed the law that one of the intended parents had to be Indian. So then that same agency opened up in Kenya and they were advertising same sex couples uh, or single male, which wasn't the case, but anyway, mm. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like how I started and why Kenya, um, and yeah, so I kind of, it kind of went from there and then. I mean, the, the, the surrogacy journey was extremely difficult. I went through five embryo transfers and it was just an awful roller coaster ride. Were you there? Um, were you in Kenya while the transfers were attempting to take place or no, 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 no. So I went to Kenya on my birthday, my 37th birthday to deposit. Uh, I was there for 10 days. Uh, and then that was it. Then I went back to my life and I would just get, I would know when they would email me saying, okay, the transfer is happening. And then you got to wait 21 days. And, uh, and in th through that, I was trying, like I was all over the place and I was in Canada. Then I went back to, to the Middle East. I was in Florida. Like I was just working everywhere. Uh, and during that time also, I realized my partner at the time, what a wasn't there for any of the steps. Like even when I went to Kenya, I said, you know, come with me. Like it's, it's an important step. Uh, and he didn't come. And so quickly I realized after, so this was the, after the second embryo transfer that wasn't successful. Uh, I realized that that's not something he wanted. Uh, so we talked and he kind of left the situation and the, and, and then I continued, I, I continued and, um, yeah, finally she got pregnant and, oh no, I had to switch egg donors. So after the fourth time, the agency contacted me and said, you know, um, maybe you need to change, change the egg. So I changed the egg donor and then. So I got a question about that, Joseph, uh, yeah. which, which for, for those of us that don't really know too much about, um, the process of, of, of surrogacy, but, um, for same sex couples, I'm kind of curious as to is it usually agreed upon uh, in advance as to whose DNA is going to be going to the surrogate? Is it is it maybe like rock scissors paper? Is it is it kind of like a is it a random like like how is that well, normally in handled? Case, in my case, it was it was me, right? It was me that and the passion and the money and the 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 ability to do and and just yeah, and in, in my case. You can say I was um, single, even though I wasn't, but we could say I was. Um, and and in that case, yeah, but in it depends. Yeah, like, I mean, it all depends. Like if me and my partner now were to have another child, most likely uh, it would be his sperm because... I mean, I have two. <laughs> I mean, in, in the end of the, at the end of the day, it's both of our child, of course, and yeah. it's both of our children, or whatever. And you know, it's 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 equal. You love them the same. It's not. I mean, it's not really important. Yeah, no, I guess that. Right. Um, but yeah, there are some agencies that you can mix. 
um, mix meaning, but I mean, one is going to take, sure. um, I know some friends that I've met along the way that have gone through surrogacy that I have twins and one sperm was one partners and the other sperm was the other partner with the same egg donor. Uh, and then they had twins. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities and so many ways you can do it. That's completely up to you. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So let's take a step back then and go, how do you choose, um, the actual, um, I guess, egg? <sighs> yeah, I was going to say host, but I don't think that that's the right word. So, so no, yeah. How no, do you choose the egg? Is it, is it the egg? Yeah. The first step is the egg. Yeah. So you're, you're given kind of like a, it's kind of like going to a sperm bank for women. Uh, but the agency sends you profiles of women that that you can choose from, um, and so you know you're you're looking at education, you're looking at their health records, you're looking at you know how tall they are, the color of their hair. Um, you're kind of looking at everything, and um, yeah, so you you go through through a. It, that, that's also a process in itself because you're like, you know, it's again, it's not like you fell in love with a woman and you're like, whatever. I mean, it's your DNA and my DNA, right? So you literally get to buy. Yeah, it's a, well, um, we're the next step to designer babies. I just, um, my mom for uh, Father's Day for myself, she, she just bought me Ancestry.com. Uh, and so going through that process of actually seeing your, you know, 23, um, I guess, DNA signatures and everything that goes into it, you're like, okay, we really are stepping into the future of what parenting uh, is going to be all about. So it's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. fascinating. So, okay. Um, and then during the process, are you uh, supporting, um, I guess, uh, the egg throughout the whole process? Is it, are you in charge of like kind of the food? Um, are you visiting? Like, like what's kind of no, no, that no, no, process? No, no. Like, so my- my agency, like we weren't even allowed to, to, to know or to talk to our surrogate. Sure. And I guess it was because of, I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I was lucky because I had a friend doing her doctrine in Mombasa and actually met my surrogate and got her number. So I was in contact with her. Uh, but no, you're not, I mean, the agencies generally, um, feed you know they give food to the surrogates they give all the medicines they need they're 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 constantly in checking up uh we're getting i was getting uh a monthly ultrasound uh just seeing the progress uh knowing everything like in on that aspect um and then generally generally they'd like you to go down a week to two before uh the due date Mm. uh obviously to be there you never know like my girl's were actually born four days be- prior before they were supposed to. They were scheduled, but I was there. I was there two weeks before. And for those that would like and, to see a little bit more of a candid uh, snapshot into that journey, uh, Joseph's got a great YouTube video that kind of uh, goes. You know, you're right there in, during the, the yeah, whole process, so it's, I, I, it's pretty I awesome. The whole thing, and, and, and yeah, like just to because I, I also was finding that when I was researching, there was very very little information on on surrogate. Not so much on surrogacy, but also like for a male, mm. uh, from a man's point of view and kind of, so I just documented everything a for myself and also to show the girls once, once they're, I mean, we talk about it and I mean, I have a children's book coming out now That's about fantastic. surrogacy, which is basically the story I tell them and they want to hear it every night. You know, they, it's the story of, of how Stella and Mia came to be. And so, um, but yeah, so I just, I documented for myself and also then I started putting it out 
to the world and and which which was really good because you know I have a lot lot of people contact me daily still about surrogacy and you know even I find it's just people want someone to talk to um even though I can't do anything for them or I can't really um I You'd mean, be surprised at how much you're doing for people just by talking about it and being candid about it and authentic. And like, listening to them because yeah. like half the time, like, you know, you're, you're, you're sending, you know, 20, 25,000 American across the world to a, to a company to start this process. And you're like, um, who am I sending it to? Why? Like, you know, what's the process you, you, you just, you know, it, just having someone to, that has gone through it and to listen is, is, is great. And so that's kind of what I do now. No matter what, um, having a child is stressful, and that just adds a whole nother layer of stress onto it as well. It's a lot of unknowns. Um, at what stage did you know you were having twins? After 21 days. After 21 <laughs> days, right away. You know, so yeah, okay. so basically I found out. So the, 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 the new eggs were chosen, and then the embryos were made and, and uh, put into the surrogate. And then, yeah, then I got the confirmation that she was pregnant. Hmm. And then as I got the confirmation, I was reading and I saw like two heartbeats and I was just like, okay, well, maybe, maybe like they measured it in the morning and then at night <laughs> and then I kept reading and twin pregnancy confirmed. And I was just, I, oh, I was, I remember I was in the Middle East and at that point, the only people that knew were my parents and they were in, in Canada. And um, I remember sitting in front of my computer. It was like three o'clock in the morning in Canada. So I couldn't do anything. And so I waited, I was in front of my computer from three o'clock in the morning, Canadian time to six o'clock, three hours. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. And then I finally called my parents and, and told them and uh, yeah. It was it was pretty scary because again being being on your own, you know, financially, and you know now it was like two universities and two and two and two and you know, from the community we have so many questions about like it's hard enough to raise one one kid to, to put one kid to sleep to, to feed one kid, but let alone now two, um, that is a whole different level of um, just you chose advanced uh, on the game of life here. That, that, that's for sure. Okay. So, so how did things, how did that change for you then from the preparations uh, standpoint, once you knew you were having twins, aside from having to buy everything twice, but was there, um, was there anything else that's kind of changed in you knowing that you were having two on the way? Well, I didn't know what, what it was like to have one. Sure. So uh, at the end of the day, preparation wise no, is the exact same thing. Just two of everything, right? Like the nesting period is the same and, um, kind of getting it all prepared and everything was really the same. And then, you know, then they were born and again, I don't know what it's like to have one. So I was feeding both of them at the same time. And, and I, again, with twins, I was very, very like, I was like a Nazi on their sleep, on their food, when they ate, when they slept, like it had to be. Were you able to sync up the, the eating schedules and the sleep schedules? Like, was that something? Um... Oh, yeah. Like, right from when they were born, I would feed them at the same time. Mm. Like, whether they ate or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, they they would eat. Um, but, yeah, no, I had to. There was no way that, you know, already, I mean, you have a three-month, so you know what it's like. You're not sleeping. You're, for the first six months... I cried every night. 
I cried every night saying, what did I do? And, and that's not because they were twins. It, it's because it's, it's just a, hard. It, it's it's hard. a baby. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, you know, and that people don't tell you that people to tell, you know, sleep or, but they don't really tell you how hard it is and how you're not sleeping. So your mind. And, and then for me, I wasn't sleeping and I was trying to deal with like, political things and trying to get their birth certificate and trying to get my name on their birth certificate. So let's get to that because to that is a, a harrowing that. part of the journey here. So let's talk about that for a second. So it was not easy. So, okay. So you went through this entire process and then you had two beautiful baby girls that were born and now you're excited because now you want to have them start a new life with you and come back home. Yeah. But that was a bit of a process. Yeah. So for me, so I knew like, uh, so in 2017, I think it was the Harper government um, put this new law out that basically if you're not born in Canada, so I was born in Italy to a Canadian mom. Mm. So I was automatically Canadian. I'm a Canadian citizen, but that made me second generation Canadian, which meant that my children, unless born in Canada, um, don't get automatic citizenship. But I knew about this. So I had contacted the embassy in Kenya. I sent all my paperwork. So whoever gave me the go ahead, because if I would have known about it, you you there's just different paperwork you do and you and and you prepare yourself for it. Um, but everything they said, no, nope, everything's good. I showed them my birth certificate. Uh, I showed them my my Canadian citizen, my my citizenship card, my my passport. They were like, no, you're you're fine, you're great. And so basically. So before even all of the Canadian side happened, so they were advertising same-sex couples and single male uh, in Kenya. Well, Mombasa is a high, very has a massive Muslim population, um, and then ten days before I was going to Kenya, they said you have to bring a woman with you. A woman my age, not my my mom came with me, but no. Uh, <laughs> had to be a woman with me to show that uh, we're married and or else they wouldn't give me my baby, my babies. So luckily I had a, uh, my best friend from the Middle East. She came down um, and then there was a whole bunch of problems. They, they refused to put my name on the birth certificate. Uh, just a lot of I don't even want to get it. Trials Again, and tribulations. Well, yeah, check it out on the YouTube. <laughs> it's it's all there. It all. Yeah, very candid. It's and, all there. Um, and basically, after I got all that, then it was time for us to get back to Canada. And and then again, that's a process. So you got to do like a DNA test, and you got to do a whole bunch of like paperwork and stuff. Got all the paperwork done. Sent it all into Kent. Which again, I'm bringing newborns from Mombasa to Nairobi because the Canadian embassy was in Nairobi did all the tests they needed to do, went back to Mombasa with them, uh, waited the two weeks to expedite their passports. Then uh, basically two days before we had to leave, my mom's like, I was calling the embassy, no, no response, no question. They weren't telling me anything. My mom's like, okay, let's just go to Nairobi. Like, let's pack up and go because we're, we're our flight out is in two days. So we fly, we go to Mombasa, uh, to Nairobi, and basically they said, no, uh, your children do not get your passports. You need to stay in Kenya. Uh, they're like, well, you can go, but the children aren't, they have to stay. And so it was, it was crazy because like you, you're looking at these Canadians that, you know, are working at the embassy and it's just like, anyway, 
it was what it was. And thank God I was on social media because that expedited the the, the situation. And yeah, you made a rapid, you made some noise and then you got some uh, powerful people involved. They, they bombarded, they bombarded the, the, the embassy. And finally I got a call from the embassy saying, take a temporary travel document and get out of the country. I'm like, <laughs> perfect. Uh, and basically, yeah, that's what I did. And then I had to sponsor my children uh, but they they finally got their their permanent residency while while nine months after they were born. So while we were here, and then a year later got their passports. Yeah. And so yeah, awesome. so it was just a it was an ordeal. And again, it, it's not like that for everybody. Uh, and I'm I'm sure it's a lot easier for a lot of people. Uh, I just that's what happened to me. It was my experience. Um, will I have another child in Kenya? No. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, for those, for, for those that are looking to go this, this route, would you um, still, knowing everything that happened, would you still go an international um, route or would you be, stay more domestic? Um, obviously, there's going to be a cost are, difference, but... There are, like, obviously now, um, there's also a lot more agencies that have opened up since... Um, I wouldn't necessarily not go international. Uh, I would maybe do it closer to home. Mm. Uh, so you're not like a 18 hour flight to, to get to if, in the case of anything. Um, I know why a lot of people don't do it in Canada or the States. Just the costs are crazy. Sure. Are, 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 you know, here in Canada, you're looking anywhere between 150 to 200,000 um the state's the same all depends on you know if it like so what i liked about my that agency i chose was that no matter how many transfers were happening embryo transfers were happening you weren't paying extra i know with all the other agencies you know your package includes one's transfer and if it doesn't take upsells upsells again, would you want to share yeah. what agency that was that uh, for other people that are looking my agency yeah uh, it was Kieran and Fertility. They're they're in India, an Indian based agency. Great. Okay. Um, okay. So Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. You went through a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, you you got your beautiful girls back home, and now you're a dad. Now you're a new dad that's uh, trying to figure it out. And at this stage, you were doing it alone um, as well. Yeah. Yes. 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 I was alone. Um, like I said, I cried every night for six months. I. I didn't even know what it, I actually, I shouldn't say I cried every night. I cried. I didn't know if it was night sure. or day. Um, you're just like, like that's, I mean, you're just, you're there for them. Yeah. Right? You're constantly feeding them. And, and at that stage they're cute, but they're sleeping, pooing and eating. That's, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. Um, then after six months, I, I mean, I had to, again, I was by myself, so I had to work. I had to start doing something. And then I, you know, my life was in the Middle East, so I wasn't in Canada. I didn't have anything. So I was just, I had that stress of trying to get, you know, back on my feet and trying to be like, okay, well, I need to now figure out a life for my children. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, you know, when you're single and you're like, oh, well, I'm eating a piece of bread today and I'm fine with that. It's, you know, so after six months, I uh, got a nanny and I started working. And uh, again, though, you're working and you're not because you're 
Yeah, your mind's your always pulled. Yeah. Mind's always there, and you know it's not that you know. Again, being single or in production, you know, you you'd work eighteen hours a day, twenty hours a day, and no, it's not like it. It was their set schedule that I needed to follow and needed to keep. And like I said, I'm I was very on point when it came to their feeding and their bedtime and their naps and all that stuff. So I had to make sure that that was still going on. And, and yeah, and then, then it becomes your, your lifestyle, right? Then I think it's, and then we could talk about this too. Like, you know, they say 20%, 20 to 30% of men go through postpartum depression. Um, and it might not be like the chemical imbalances of your body, but just the, how your life changes, right? You're, and I, and I, and I had that as well. I went through. Well, there's a well. death. Yeah. There's a death of your former self. I mean, your former life, yeah. your former identity, everything is there's, there's a transition and, changes, and any yeah. change is painful. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. And then, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, after six months, I, I'd say, you know, you start getting into the rhythm of things and into the, and then, one thing I learned the most and what I tell all new parents is that nothing lasts forever. Mm. So I know when you're in it, it's like horrible and you're like, what's going on? But nothing lasts forever. And honestly, enjoy every moment. And I know people say that and you're like, and it's so cliche, but like, trust me, my girls just started JK this year, like two weeks ago, they started JK and I was bought, I couldn't stop crying. I was like, what happened like literally like boom they're four it's like oh you know and so yeah really really enjoy every moment and like don't don't nothing lasts forever so keep going oh that's great advice okay it's so on that vein then so what are what are three things that you wish you knew three or i guess your girls are four now so four years ago what what are three things that you wish you knew back then that you now know well that's that's nothing lasts forever. Sure. And I mean, you know it before, but like really, um, one, I wish I would have known sleep, you know, people say, Oh, sleep now, but really, really, really like before the child comes sleep, mm -hmm. sleep for four days, wake up. Even if you wake up at eight o'clock, you go back to sleep. Clock, you sleep at eight sleep in till 10 if only you could bank that sleep happened. right if only you could bank it in some sort of battery to pull on it to, oh know. the sleep is for me is the worst the sleep even now though like i mean they're they're up at six thirty-seven every day hmm. weekends holidays people are like oh it's the weekend yeah you're like sure and it's the same thing i'm gonna be up early and so I, I think sleep would be the, the number one thing I wish I would have known, like really banked in on. Because then obviously when you're, I'm sure the same for you, when your wife was pregnant, like you're not sleeping. <laughs> it's like you're nervous and the baby's coming. And so for like months and months and months and months, you're not sleeping because you're like, you know, did I do this? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? And then all of a sudden they come and you're like. Ooh, so so joseph i, I added in <laughs> yeah i added an extra ripple to to my own journey because i decided to join an ironman my first ever ironman right before so my wife was six months pregnant i've never run even a 5k before and i didn't know how to swim so i had about two and a half months to try and learn how to swim and start running while um my wife was very pregnant and then when chase my son was born it was just yeah forget it and then the race was 
three weeks later. Um, so I finished it. And so, so I'm good, but, and apparently that's actually really common because, um, the doctor said to, to Katrina, she's like, so what kind of partner do you have? Like what kind of husband? And she's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, usually, uh, the men fall into three categories. Number one, they go really deep into work. They become a workaholic. Nope. That wasn't me necessarily. Number two is they start doing some sort of home project, you know, all of a sudden decide to build a deck or paint the house or renovate the basement. Nope. Or they go heavy into some sort of sports. So needing some sort of outlet, exactly what you mentioned, some sort of focus or outlet because yeah, it's stress. It's there. So kind of interesting. Um, okay. So your girls are a little bit older now. Um, so with twins, so let's switch gears here and kind of focus on, on raising twins. How do you, how do you balance, I guess, you yourself and the time that you can give to to both um, Stella and and me? I mean, equally, like like that's got to be a challenge as to how to. I mean, is there enough of you to, to go around, and and how how do you balance that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes, I've always I, I've always treated them exactly the same, and I've always like if I bought one for one, I bought one for the other one. Um, I guess when they're babies, it was whoever needed me the most at the time like mm. i mean if one is kind of like crying because you you and then i mean with your children you you can tell the cries you can tell what the cries mean you know i knew exactly who was crying what they need like you know you just know after a while um and it's kind of with twins it's it's especially when you're by yourself it's whoever whoever needs you the most at the time, you know, and they learn to, and I, and I've told them right away, like, I'm, I don't, I don't, I never treated them like babies. Like I always talked to them at like adults and, and kind of said, you know, there's, there's one Papa and there's two of you, like I, you need to be patient, you know, and they, they have, they have to learn patience. And I mean, I'm, but I'm there for them. It's not that, you know, and then I had them in the same room. So when I, when, you know, I would bathe them both the same time, I would wash, like, you know, put cream on them at the same time, their diapers on, their night, their bedtime, their pajamas, their night, the nightly routine was always the same until last week when I changed it. And it's, it's devastating to me, but they're, cause they just fight, they fight all the time. Like they, they've been together all the time and they're always together and they, they, they fight. And so I said, okay, that's it. Bedtime routine has changed. You guys are <laughs> your own showers. Say good night before you go upstairs. You're not, you know, and so now it's, it's starting a new routine too, cause they're getting older. And, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, whoever, at when they were babies, whoever needed me more, whoever, you know, that's all you can do. For uh, what advice would you give to um, single parents out there when it comes to kind of managing the good cop, bad cop as, as a single parent? You kind of have to be both uh, at times. And, and so how would you uh, how would you manage that? Or at least uh, what advice would you give to people you in a similar situation? Um, well, I'm... <laughs> I yell a lot, uh, which I am. I'm a Italian and uh, I kind of learned it from from my parents to the point of like now the girls are like, can you stop yelling? I'm like, yeah, you're right. But can you start doing what I'm telling you to do? Um, it's hard. It's hard because it's you're the one that's I mean, I have my, I, I'm I'm very lucky. I have my my parents that that are up the street and and I have help. And, you know, I did have uh, I did have a village, um, but in terms of discipline, it's me, right? So it's always me, the bad cop, because no one else is disciplining them, right? And so even now with my partner, we laugh, we laugh, I tell him, I'm like, you know, I don't want to yell all the time. 
you can yell, you know, like, don't make it look like, you know, oh, Papa doesn't want, oh, Papa's the bad one. No, like, you know, it's, it's hard because as a single parent, yeah, you're, 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 you got to make sure that they're growing up right, right? And so you need to discipline them and, you you know, you need to make sure they're doing what, what they need to do. And so you're generally mostly the bad cop all the time. Not all the time. I mean, obviously, like you joke around and play and love them and, and laugh and all that stuff. But when it comes down to disciplining, it's you, right? It's uh, It's just you and you do what you do. That makes sense. Um, it's something you touched on uh, with being Italian and kind of inheriting that, you know, gregarious nature, um, a process that surprised me when um, when my partner was pregnant and kind of going through um, the pregnancy was how kind of introspective um, I became and how really self-aware because I really started understanding that, you know, the patterns that I inherited as a kid, all that programming, uh, nature, nurture and all that went into that, you know, I've been carrying around with me as an adult. And when you start tracing back and you really start dissecting and, you know, peeling away the layers, which, which isn't always a, you know, a painless process, but you start realizing how important those early years are and what you're going to be passing on, the good, the bad, the ugly to your own children. Did you find that you went through a similar process? And if so, what were some of the things that you wanted to make sure that you did pass on? Maybe something that uh, you felt like was important. Like in my own case, it was a lack of structure and discipline. Uh, unconditional love was there 100%. And it was, uh, if Ryan wanted to be an astronaut, you could be an astronaut, you could be an actor, you could be a chef, you could be a magician, a fighter pilot, 100% support, but there was not a lot of structure and discipline to see you know, through the tough time and to develop that grit. So that was something, for example, for myself that I want to very much so instill on my own child. How, how about yourself? Um, well, I had I had the both. I had both. I had my mom that was very you could be anything. I love you, like the loving, nurturing. And then I had my dad that was very you know typical Italian male that was very never there, uh, but like worked all the time and just you know. A lot of the traits I hated from my dad, I now see in myself um, in how I'm, I talk to the girls and I'm, that's something I'm trying to work on. And I mean, when you have kids, like you're constantly questioning everything. Um, for me, what's important, getting back to what you asked, for me, it's important, the family value and, and to teach them that no matter what your family is there like and it was that's why i moved back from the middle east to canada uh, as soon as i knew you know my, my surrogate was pregnant like it was important for me that my girls grew uh, grew up around uh, around their grandparents and my brother and you know my brother and his wife and the kids like we're very we're a very tight family mm. um and for me that's important to teach them um and then, yeah, like getting back to it, like, I mean, I have so many traits that that I hated in my dad and I have both. Like, so I like my dad's never one to be like, I love you and give me a hug, <laughs> like never. But like, I'm the complete opposite with the girls. I'm always like kissing them and loving, like holding them and, and telling them I love them and telling them I'm there for them. But at the same point, I'm like, that's strict, like my dad. Right. So I have the, the both, both. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> you did, hey, listen, it, it's it's an interesting process. It gets deep. No, no, no. Listen, it, yeah. it gets deep because you start realizing that, of course, yeah, we we have the traits from from both our parents and us, and uh, yeah, it, it's not a it's not an easy journey to go down. But uh, I found it. Uh, 
it surprised me of, of how deep um, it goes, uh, especially if you're if you're being a, somewhat of a conscious parent where you're like, okay, you know, it's I want to kind of, what, what do they say? You're, you're either a product of your of your childhood or your reaction to it. So you're either kind of the exact yeah. opposite of the way that you're, you were parented or you're a direct product of it uh, or some well, combination I mean, after, of the two. After having, after having kids, like I, I actually went to a psychologist, like to, 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 like, it was the first time ever that I, that I never questioned who I was. I never, not who I was, but what I did, um, or how I did it. Now, once you have kids, it's like, did I say that correctly? Am I like hurting them for their future? Am I like, you're constantly questioning yourself. And, and, and I, I'm sure a lot of other cultures have this, but like, I have that, that Italian guilt that like, you know, you do something and then all of a sudden you feel guilty and you're constantly feel guilty as a parent saying, did I do enough? Did I, did, you know, you know, I'll get upset with them. They, 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 they did something at night. I get upset with them. Um, you know, I put them to sleep and whatever. If, if ever I'm upset with them, I'll wait till they fall asleep and then I'll go back in the room and like, just like, you know, like hold them and be like, I love you. I love you. I love you. Like, um, you're just con- as a parent, like you're constantly questioning, you're questioning, you know, it's cause it's not just you anymore. It's not just that you're doing things for you. You're, you're raising two humans to, to try to be the best version of you that, that, that they possibly can be. Right. And so that's when all the questions come in. Like, am I doing this right? Was this taught to me? Right. Like, you know, I'm like this and I don't like this. How did I get to be like this? How, what can I do not to have them become like this? And, and like, for example, Mia is exactly like me. So like when she gets upset, when she starts yelling, she starts, and it's all learned behavior from me. So how can I get upset with her? She's three and a half. It's a little how mirror. How can I be upset yeah. with her? She's literally a sponge and taking in everything. And then you feel guilty. But I mean, like I have two full-time jobs plus raising them. Like I'm exhausted. Like, you know, now, now like the, uh, cause they started school, like, you know, before they were, they were in, in daycare, you know, and I work till five o'clock. I pick them up at school, bring them home. I got to cook while trying to be, you know, trying to play with them and trying to be with them. Cause all they want to do at that age is be with you, which is amazing. But, you know, I'm trying to cook and I'm trying to do stuff and I'm, and and my head's like, and then then what then you feel guilty and you're like i'm a shitty parent Mm -hmm. because yes i'm working for them and trying to make money so that they could have a great life but at the same point i am so tired that i can't even give them the attention they need or give them what they want which is all they want to do is play with you like yeah it's a vicious cycle um so you just yeah, uh, it, it seems like uh, being a parent, uh, at least what, I, what I've noticed uh, in my couple months of being a parent, it's you're burning the candle on both ends for sure. And you're just you're constantly trying to just manage your energy. Uh, and then your priorities obviously completely shift um, and the priorities just become them and then everything that goes to supporting them. So uh, so you went through a transi- transition with your with partnership with your partner so for single parents maybe that are raising kids by themselves and they're looking to date or, or find a partner maybe what was that process like with you what advice would you give to somebody that's uh dating dating is tough D- dating is tough period um add children to the mix it's like i mean as a single parent like i 
I have to really plan to go out. You know, it's not that I could just, okay, let's meet for at a coffee shop. No, like it, it's hard because you have to meet people and get to know them in a really short time. Because again, they have to meet my kids because it's just me with them. Right. It's not that, you know, I, you, you know, a lot of divorced parents are, you know, their children, they get their children a week and then they have a week to do whatever. And it's just dating is, is extremely difficult. Um, I was lucky enough to meet an amazing person who, who now is, you know, the girl's dad as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, do I have advice for people that are single and trying to date? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I don't, I don't have advice. Um, it's, it's tough. Did, it's did you tough find that you were as open and upfront that you had two baby girls uh, right off the bat to kind of weed out everybody oh, yeah, that well, wouldn't? I'm the bad diaries. So people like have a lot of people like know who I am already sure. before, um, you know, before it, it, we meet. Um, but, but yeah, I was upfront right away. It's not, again, it's, it's not that I was married and divorced and now I have my kids part-time, you know, it's that I could, you can kind of hide that for a while until it was like, no, this is my life. Do you want to be part of my life? Like my, my children are my everything. Like they're, they're with me full-time. They're with their, you, you want me. And so I found dating even harder because, you're not just meeting people because of how they look or because of, you know, let's have some fun for a couple of weeks. No, like it, for me, dating became, you know, as soon as I would meet someone, did they have all these boxes that I could ch check off because you're soon going to meet my kids and you need to be a good person or else, you know, you can't be in my life. Yeah. So it's it well changes, said. definitely changes. Okay, let, let's switch gears here. Um, so it seems like every time period is is a challenging time period to grow up in. Um, at least every time period has their challenges. It's we're going into an interesting time for any kid to be growing up. And you've got two baby girls that are that are growing up. What are you worried about? What do you, what are you thinking about that this time over the next you know couple decades as as your baby girls are going to be growing up into this world? You've got social media, you've got pressures, you've got just a lot that goes into it that that wasn't necessarily there uh, before. So, um, what are your thoughts on on what the future holds for especially for girls? You know what? I try not to think about that mm. because I'm going to start crying already. <laughs> like if I think about like I'm dating or them. Joseph, it's too early dating. in the morning to be crying. No, we can't cry. It's too it's, early. Uh, like, no, but I, I, I don't know. I, you know what? I don't really, I don't really worry about stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I've never lived my life in fear or, or projected fear onto, you know, what's coming or what can come. The only thing I can think of, the only thing I can do is be the best parent I can be right now for them and mm. always for them. But like every day I'm just, you know, and, and then just, I think if you're a parent that, and I'm really, you know, I, I want my girls to talk to me about everything and I'm, and I'm, and, and I do talk to them about everything and I will be talking to them about everything. Um, I think that's all you can do, right? Like that's all you can, like things are out of your hand. Like there's no point in worrying about things that are out of your hands or, or you don't, or, or the unknown because 
life's too short. And like I said, I have two full-time jobs and trying to be the best parent I can be. I can't be worrying about what's happening in the future. I need to be worrying about right now and being present and being the best parent I can be. You said it right there. It seems like one of the happy consequences of being a parent is, you know, you know, joy is found in the present moment, right? Anxiety is in the future, depression's in the past. So if you, the more you can stay present, the more you can be in the here and the now, the more you can, you know, find joy in life. But being as a parent, you have yeah. no choice. <laughs> it's You're always, you don't have enough time to actually sit there and kind of philosophize about, you know, where life could be taking you because you just, you have too much to do right now. So that, that seems to be a... Yeah. A happy consequence of, of being a parent. Um, what about resources? Like for, for parents, uh, young parents, um, parents in your situation or, or anything, did you find that there were certain books that you leaned on? Was there any, uh, obviously go to the daddiaries.com. Uh, I read, I mean, every time like they would go through something, obviously you, you research. Um, I mean, now with the internet, there's like, I don't know, I, there's not really a book per se that I read that, you know, basically whatever the situation was at the time, I would, I would, you know, I read up on it, um, like any milestone or any, you know, they're not sleeping. And so, you know, it's, it's mostly like, as, as I went, I, I would research it. Um, and then what I found was that it's really all babies are different. Like I had two at the same time and they're, they're completely different. So what it says to do in a book doesn't necessarily work because you need to, and you as a parent, and if you're a present parent, you know, your kids, like I said to you, like, you know what that cry means, you know what they need. Like you just know after a while, like it's, it's, it's parental instinct. Like you, you, you know, right. So I would say to, to a lot of people that are like, so like, oh, read this book and do this book. And, and, and yes, these books are out there. And yes, the psychology of children are, you know, but really take it with a grain of salt. Like everything you're reading doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work on your child. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing to do for your child. Like you have to, you have to know your children, right? So yeah, like in terms of an actual book I read, no, there was no actual book that I read that, that that I would suggest people to read. I just kind of like took everything. And then when you, when you type something in Google, you get the extremes, you get from Always. one end to the other. <laughs> so like you, I read everything and then I kind of went, okay, yeah, I understand, you know, maybe how to discipline or maybe how to, or maybe, you know, the, the temper tantrums, how do you, you know, but like, for example, Tamper tantrums. They say to ignore it. If I ignore one of them, it would last all day. If I didn't ignore another one, it would last. So you have to just know your children. And and I and I think if you're if you're present as a parent and you're there as a parent, you know your children. They're not that hard to to. It's not like an adult that you know. It's there's complexities in there and stuff like that. They're they're they they tell you what they they need to tell you. You know, I love it. Um, Joseph, what's what's the biggest lesson being a dad has taught you so far? The biggest lesson, uh, I would say, well, the, well, the biggest lesson was would be I, I we, we spoke about it before would be that nothing lasts forever, mm. um, and the, just to be patient be patient like that's one thing that 
that having children is teaching me. I'm still not patient with them. Uh, I am a lot more patient than I was. Um, but yeah, just, just, just that nothing lasts forever and, and, and really, really patience, be patient with them. They're, they're, they're just kids. And I know you may come home and you're exhausted and, but at the end of the day, they're just kids and they just want to be loved and they just want to play and they just want to not worry about things that we are going to be worrying about or are worrying about, you know? Makes sense. Uh, the podcast is, is Raising Greatness. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how do you define success in for your, for your girls? Happiness. Hmm. For, for, my, for my girls, how do I measure just if they're happy and I, and I know my girls are happy. Like they're, they're always laughing and always smiling. And that to me is, is success as a parent. Um, if your children are happy and that's it. What kind of, um, when your girls look back on their childhood and, and they think about uh, dad, what, what kind of father do you hope that they, they think about? Like what, what kind of father do you hope to be? They're everything, <laughs> they're everything. I hope that, I don't know. That's why I'm trying to stop yelling because already they're telling me not to yell. Uh, I don't want them to think of, of, uh, of their dad as a, as a yeller, but um, yeah, just, just, I don't know, like a loving, amazing dad. <laughs> well, you certainly look like uh, you're on track to be just that and, and your baby girls, Stella and Mia are very, very lucky to have you. So uh, Joseph Tito, uh, thedaddiaries.com. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. If people wanted to find out a little bit more about you, um, some of your social media handles, what would be the best bet? You, you said that you have a children's book on the way as well. Maybe just take some time to let people know the best way to find you. Yeah, well, you can find me anywhere, like on Instagram, uh, at thedaddiaries.ca on Instagram. Uh, everywhere else, it's the Dad Diaries. Uh, thedaddiaries.com is my website. Uh, I'm around. I'm around. So if you have questions, I'm sure you'll find me. And, um, and yeah, there you go. Joseph, thanks again. It was an absolute pleasure. Appreciate having you on. No problem. Thank you so much.